Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today, uh, we've got a couple things to talk about. Um, first, let's just get some some news out of the way. Not too much to stay here, um, but there were a couple of pretty big transfers in the Pac-12 today. Um, first of all, Stephen Carr, the running back from USC, announced that he is going into the transfer portal. He was their number one back last year. Um, honestly, I don't know. It's a huge loss. First of all, they got Keontae Ingram from Texas, who, I mean, he didn't do all that much because Bijan Robinson was in front of him. Um, but uh, he, he's a talented running back who should kind of fit that same mold. And then they also have some other guys. Like, uh, I think we've talked about Vivey Malapai quite a bit. I mean, not in forever because it's not football season. He's a running back I really like. Probably more touches there. Still, though, Starting running back from the team that won the Pac-12 South last year, no longer on the team. So there you go. Um, the other transfer, probably even bigger news, is that Remy Martin from Arizona State, the point guard, is entering the transfer portal. Um, I, so so many things to talk about with Remy Martin. Um, obviously, though, last year did not go the way that he had hoped you'd have to believe considering what everybody said about him and his team going into the season versus what people were saying after the season when the team was like 500 or whatever. Um, but he's, he's gone now grad transfer. So one year of eligibility left and I, I well, actually there's some weird stuff that can happen now. Maybe that he does have two. I think it's just one though. Um, point is he's in the transfer portal. You almost wonder like, uh, if if Colorado hadn't gone and picked up Mason Faulkner to replace McKinley Wright at point guard, is there a world where Tad Boyle goes after Remy Martin, adds him to this roster, and <laughs> he basically fills in for Ken? Obviously, not quite as well. Um, it's a shame that we'll be robbed of that. We'll we'll fig we'll we'll figure it out where he's gonna go. Um, Honestly, I just hope it's not in the Pac-12. Um, so, yeah, a couple of decently big pieces of news there. Um, in terms of the buffs, I don't think there's really been anything. No, I don't think so. Uh, so there we go. There's the news for the day. Um, we're going to talk about the buffs basketball rotation because uh, Maddox Daniels is also in the transfer portal. I missed that one we talked about the first time. Um so kind of run through quickly what that changes. Um, and then 
you know, we, we've caught, we've gotten into the off season now and the off season is the time where I like to Google pac 12 and just see what comes up. And what you find is a bunch of different lists and talking about the list that people make. It's always fun. I feel like that's half of Twitter, especially right now. You guys have probably seen it. You're mostly on Twitter. There's like, uh, the, the current list guy. I, I feel like how long does it last? I feel like for like every three month period, there's there's a guy who makes lists that everybody pays attention to, and it kind of just rotates who who that is. And right now, like, I think I think his handles like Boomer Sooner or something like that, something something Oklahoma Sooners related. Um, and how deep are we going into this? Let's let's just dive in. Um, so so uh. With those sorts of things, what happens is somebody makes a list and it's like a top 100 whatever and then that goes out there and all the people who like somebody they like or the team that they support is in the top 5 or top 10 of the list and that gets like pushed all around the internet and then that gets more people to see it but that's a very small part of how people get onto those lists because 90% of it is just people being really upset about the list mostly because the guy not this guy in particular just these guys in general don't really know what they're talking about you know there was like the big one last week where it's like cu second worst facilities in college football and it's like well that's just that's just straight up not true and because it's not true and so obviously not true people say that it's not true and then that just gets more attention to the list which brings more people in who see the things that they're upset about or happy about but mostly upset about and then put that list in front of other people and then all of a sudden every list becomes a list that everybody cares about um the the point is i i think like there was one today where jarek broussard was uh he was way down the list in terms of like best returning running backs and uh keontae ingram who i mentioned earlier uh, the, the, the guy from Texas, who's now going to go to USC might've scared Steven Carr away. I don't know. Um, he was in front of him despite in front of Jarek Bouchard, I should say, despite like, you know, he, he, I think he ran for like 400 yards last year, like 500 yards, you know, you know, so <sighs> I don't really know what the point of this is. The point is, I guess it's list season, and while I'm, I'm going to try not to dig into some lists that seem like maybe they aren't good lists, I have found some good lists, um, and including one today where uh, Kevin Flaherty from uh, 24-7 Sports, ranking the Pac-12's 10 best players for 2021. Kind of fun to run through that stuff, because um, it's list season. Everybody's making lists. I should make more lists. That's what we should do. I'm going to figure out something to make a list out of. Maybe tomorrow we're going to make a list. Um, But yeah, talking about uh, Buffs rotational a bit, Max Daniels gone, who fits in there. Um, and then some more broader things about my expectations for that basketball team. And then, yeah, we're going to look through this list because, you know, there's there's some interesting things. For, for example, uh, I mean, the top... I guess the, the number three linebacker. Let's just call him the number three linebacker on this list. Number six, Edifuan Ulofosio, the linebacker from Washington. Good linebacker. Better than Nate Landman? Meh, I don't know. But we can talk about whether he's better than Nate Landman and also use this as an opportunity to learn Edifuan Ulofosio's name 
because he's got to be a good football player to be making lists. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking through who uh, 24-7 Sports called the top 10 players in the Pac-12 because it's it's just kind of fun to see what those other perspectives are. Um, that's the plan for the day. Somehow we're already seven minutes into this podcast. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, I want to tell you a bit more about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. So uh, the Colorado XOs are a rugby team, a five and uh, what are they now? Are they five and two or five and three? I can't remember. Point is winning record in their first season, which is really impressive because most of these guys have never played rugby before. Uh, they play out in Glendale. They share a training facility with the U.S. national teams out there. The idea is to take athletes from other sports, teach them how to play rugby with the Colorado XOs, and then put them onto the U.S. national team if things go well. And out of like the current roster, maybe you get one or two that, that, that are able to make that jump at some point in their career. And if that happens, that's enough. I just need my desk really hard and it hurts. Um, so, yeah, cool stuff going on there. Listen to the DMVR Rugby podcast. Follow along with DMVR Rugby on Twitter. And... Read the written content at thedmvr.com. Okay, so basketball. Like I said, Max Daniels not on the team, which I as soon as I saw, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. But with Jari Horn and a bunch of those other guys leaving, is like, oh okay, that too. Um, it does change things though, because to me, I mean. <sighs> There, there's only one small forward on this roster. Um, and to me, that is Quincy Allen, um, the, the true freshman who, you know, hopefully, hopefully he is good enough to just step in and be your starting small forward. And I think that that's totally possible. And it's just like this weird thing right now where Colorado is just in a strange place, especially compared to where Colorado usually is. Um, you know, they're they're coming off a, a great string of success these last two seasons. Obviously, the end of the 2020 season wasn't ideal, but that aside, there were so many positive signs. I think everybody saw the program as trending in the right direction, even after they kind of fell off at the end of the year. They certainly built on what happened last year, this season, making the NCAA tournament, winning a game, not just winning, but dominating the first round game, then losing in the second round, which is a bummer, but still a good year. You go from that to losing, I think, like, over the... It winds up being about 110 or 112 minutes per game. When you just look at the total number of minutes that the guys that they're losing played last year, and then dividing that across the whole season. Um, based on last season, they've lost about 110 minutes per game of production. That's a, that's a big number, and it's actually a little bit bigger than that number. But, you know, 120 minutes... That'd be three full positions for a full game. Like, all 40 minutes at point guard, shooting guard, small forward, basically just wide open. You have, what, a little over 20% of your minutes returning next year. Um, And so you're coming off this really great season where you are building and improving and expecting to continue growing, except that you're losing so much of what you were. Um... To complicate matters even more, you've also got uh, 
uh, the eighth best recruiting class in the country coming on campus. Last year's recruiting class was, you know, not this good, but a step in the right direction for sure. And so you have a whole lot of young talent. Um, you also have a bunch of holes in the roster. And so I say all this just to say, like, you don't know what to expect from CU this year. To, to be totally honest, like, like I, I do have high hopes. I do think that with the pieces that are returning, that we've already seen, you know, we can expect Jabari Walker to be a good basketball player this year. Evan Batty. Um, a couple other guys. Eli Parquet. But for a lot of them... You know, you're hoping Lawson Lovering is able to step in and be productive right away. You're hoping that, you know, Quincy Allen, Javon Ruffin are, are similar. Um, you you hope that guys like Luke O'Brien take a step forward from what they were last year. Um, and, and I think that that's a reasonable expectation. And if they do, then all of a sudden you have him and Neek Clifford and Keyshawn Bartholomew, a bunch of those guys who should be or could be good players as well and should be at least rotational pieces that that you're happy putting out there. But but so many of the players that Colorado is going to rely upon, I mean, basically about 80% of the minutes are going to be players where you're like, we're really excited and happy you're out there and we want to see you and this is a good situation. But also, you're 18 and things might not go well. And for Colorado at this point, you know, they don't, they haven't had a lot of just like, you know, certainly no one and dones, but even guys like McKinley Wright, who came in and played as a freshman, um, started as a freshman and were important. You know, even Jabari Walker last year came off the bench. I think he, he might've started. I don't know if he started a game all season, but yeah, it, it's, it's just weird for a program like Colorado to be in the situation where, okay, this this could be kind of that transition in terms of what this program is. You know, you, for years it hasn't been a, a one-and-done program. For its entire existence, it hasn't been a one-and-done program. But you now have a situation where there aren't a whole lot of veterans that are going to command a bunch of minutes. And that means you get to play the young guys, and that means the young guys who take advantage of that and play well, they might have opportunities to leave early. And if they do, you're going to be able to recruit next year even better players who see Colorado as a place where, hey, I'm a guy who I know that maybe I'm not ready for the NBA right now, but when I'm 19, I think I might be. And when I'm 20, I really think I will be. And they're going to say, well, now Colorado is a place where I can play one or two years. And that's not for sure. It could be that these classes are, you know, the the, the type where they do last all three or four years. And, and for the most part, most of these guys probably will. Um, but this could be kind of a transition point for Colorado, just given the roster construction and the fact that they are bringing in so much talent and is seen by top recruits as a place that you do consider. Um, it could be a little bit of a turning point. It also could not be. Um, but this this year is going to be a lot of fun. Again, though, what do you expect? What do you expect? I'm not so sure. Um, with Max Daniels gone, like I said, that just, <laughs> there goes another, whatever, 20 something minutes a game, um, that winds up bringing it to like, I think it is 112 a game out of what? I mean, five times 40, 200. So I guess, why was I saying 20%? That doesn't sound right. It's more like 40%, 30%, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, the, that's what you're looking at here. Um, 
with Max Daniels gone basically just means, I mean, everybody gets bumped up a spot. Um, point guard, you got Mason Faulkner starting. Shooting guard, you've got Eli Parquet starting. Um, power forward or center, you have Evan Batty starting. I think you probably have Jabari Walker starting. Um, and if that's the case, it's probably him at power forward, Evan Batty at center. That does leave this small forward spot wide open. And who do you look to? I mean, it, it's it's tough. I mean, Tristan Da Silva, you know, I, I think that there's, I mean, Quincy Allen is probably the best fit. If For him, it's going to come down to the, the shooting, I think, and the shooting early. Like, like, if he goes into camp and is hot from three in the way that, he projects to to be, you know, he should be a good shooter going forward. Um, if he comes in and that just translates, then yeah, that's, that's a good use of that spot needs to work on the defense probably maybe even put on a little bit of weight. Um, but he could be in that conversation for sure. Uh, like I said, Tristan De Silva could be that small forward. Jabari Walker could be that small forward with Evan Batty moving the power forward with Lawson Lovering starting at center that that puts you in a kind of tough spot because i mean i mean i guess what is the question about jabari walker playing small forward um does he have the quickness to to keep up with smaller players who are likely to be playing that position i th- i honestly think so i honestly think so um and and if he does get beaten but but not badly, you know. If, if if he can just stay within reach, he's such a good shot blocker that he might be able to to make up for some of that potential lack of quickness compared to somebody who's three four inches shorter than him. Um, and I mean, in the Pac-12, you're going to see a lot of three guard lineups too. There could be a, a, a situation where the other team has three starters under six five. It wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world. And if that's the case, six nine Jabari Walker guarding a 6-4 guard, then maybe, maybe you do run into some pro, some problems there. Again, though, such a good shot blocker that if they get by him, he might be able to make up for that mistake often enough that you keep him out there because he, he wins enough as well. So defensively, you have those questions. Offensively, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a good shooter. If, if you ask him to spend more time at the three-point line, I don't know that you're necessarily playing him to his strengths, but I do think that you're probably going to be happy with the results from that position. Um, at the same time, though, you do want him down the post, fighting for offensive rebounds and and defensive rebounds, and and being maybe not a lob threat, but I don't know, just his presence down there is is valuable. And I wonder if by playing him at the three instead of the four you take him out of there so much that you're saying, ah, I'm not so sure that this is what's best. Um, the other thing that kind of makes it tough to do that is just the, the general makeup of this roster. Um, in terms of bigs, guys who I think are true fours and fives, Jabari Walker, Evan Batty, Tristan Da Silva, Lawson Lovering. There's four. <laughs> and, and those four... I mean, if if you start playing Jabari Walker some minutes at the three, well, then all of a sudden you've got three players to play the, all the minutes at power forward and center. If there's injuries, that kind of stuff, and things have to change. And, and that, to me, is kind of the bigger story with this whole roster, is that 
yes, you do have a bit of a log jam in the front court. And because of that, you probably have Tristan De Silva coming off the bench. I think there's a good chance that you have Lawson Lovering coming off the bench too. Two talented, talented players. But behind them, there aren't a lot of guys who you're trying to get minutes for. You know, you're happy just rotating that group in and saying we're we're never really going to be weak. And and maybe that's a bit of a stretch based on what we've seen from Tristan De Silva. But I was so encouraged by what we saw at the end of the year, and I like his skill set so much that that I'm I'm willing to say that about him. When you look at the 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 backcourt, including that three spot, you do have a lot of players. You know, point guard, you have Mason Faulkner, you have Keyshawn Bartholomew. There's two point guards right there. KJ Simpson, to me, is probably a, a point guard. Julian Hammond might also be a point guard. Um, either one of those guys could also be shooting guards as well. At shooting guard, you have Neek Clifford. You have Luke O'Brien. You obviously have Eli Parquet, who's the starter, who... You probably want to put out there, maybe not 40 minutes a game, but 35, 36. Um, and there's a bit of a logjam there. And then at small forward, you run into some issues. You know, when I had it in my head that Maddox was going to be able to patch that hole, I felt a little bit better about the situation. You know, Quincy Allen. He he. There, I do think there's a world where he shows up and he's a better shooter than Maddox was. And if that's the case, then you are just happy with that. Um, need to see it happen. Need to see him hold his own on defense. And and to me, that is the really big question with him. Um, you know, Javon Ruffin, he's a two or a three. Like Allen, he, he could be that third starter. You know, both those guys have the talent, have the reputation um, to, to potentially win a job. It just feels so rare that you see true freshmen win jobs at Colorado. And, and maybe I'm off in that, but I don't think I am. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of guys trying to get minutes in three spots while you have basically four bigs. who you want to be, you want two of them out there all the time. And, and maybe you do say, okay, we'll start three with one off the bench. To me though, I just, I don't, I don't think it works with that rotation. I don't think it works with that rotation. I guess what you do is maybe you go small ball for a bit and play maybe a Quincy Allen at, at the four. Um, be a bit of a stretch, especially considering the weaknesses defense. You're also banking on him, you know, being ready to play as a freshman, which isn't, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Um, and outside of that, I mean, even, I don't know who else even fits in there at the four. So, yeah, I, I do think that you probably have Walker and Batty start. And it could be that Walker and Lovering start. And Batty kind of plays that dry horn, big minutes off the bench role um, with Tristan De Silva right behind him. And then that front court, I mean, it, it or back court, sorry, it's going to be, it's going to be Mason Faulkner starting. Um, it's going to be Eli Parquet starting. There's one other starting job open. Who does it go to? I mean, to go through the names again, real quick, Luke O'Brien, Nick Clifford, uh, Quincy Allen, Javon Ruffin, outside chance that like Julian Hammond, KJ Simpson could be there. KJ Simpson probably more likely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, Keyshawn Bartholomew, push him to two, Eli to three. I think you want Eli guarding guards. And when you want Eli locking down the other team's guards, that means that he either needs to play a guard position or he needs to play a forward position. If he's guarding guard from there, then one of your guards has to guard their small forward. 
and I don't know what Mason Faulkner or uh, whoever the other starter would be, you know, Ruffin, Simpson, um, Clifford, O'Brien, I don't know that you want them guarding forwards, so I don't think that works. So I think you do need Parquet as a guard. So, yeah, uh, I, I do like the way this roster is constructed. I, I, I think that the stability and, and talent in the front court can carry them a long way. I think Mason Faulkner is a, a good point guard who can run the offense and do the things you need a point guard to do just to be, you know, a competitive basketball team that, that doesn't waste a whole lot of possessions. I also think that that rotation is going to change a lot in, in terms of the backcourt. With the front court maybe staying pretty, pretty similar from start to finish the season. Um, I think that, you know, there, there might be a game where you've got Neat Clifford and Luke O'Brien coming off the bench, and maybe they get three games of that, and maybe one of them looks good and one is disappointing, and that means that the one who's good keeps going and the other one gets knocked out of rotation so that they can give, you know, KJ Simpson some run. And maybe he pops and, and he pops, and then whoever the other guard was, Luke O'Brien stuck around. Well, then he goes cold. You send him to the bench and, and you try out Javon Ruffin. And it's going to be kind of a rotation in that backcourt in terms of who gets minutes, I think, um, at least early in the season. With later in the season, you know, you start to figure out what you want. And maybe somebody gets hot and changes things up late and, and gets in the rotation for the, the postseason. Um, but I do think that you're going to see a lot of changes in there throughout the year. Um, just because, I mean, there are very few players who have proven that they deserve regular minutes in a rotation. You've got Eli Parquet and you've got Mason Faulkner. Mason Faulkner hasn't even done it at CU, really, but I still think that he's in that category. And with all those guys, Keyshawn Bartholomew, there's a world in which he's not a part of rotation at the end of the year. Same thing with Luke O'Brien, Neek Clifford, um, Ruffin, Allen, Hammond, Simpson, all of them. Also real potential for any of any one of those guys to take a starting job um, if things go well. So there's a little update there where my brain's at with that kind of stuff. We're going to run pretty quickly through this list in a minute. But first, though... I want to remind you guys that right now there's an awesome deal with DMVR. You sign up for an annual membership. Not only do you get a free shirt, also get a Recover Holistic Stick from Holistic Wellness, CBD stick, 10 milligrams. You just pour it in your drink, stir it around with the stick, and then uh, you drink it, and it's in you. The, that one is for recovery. They have others that work with health and beauty, all that kind of stuff, sleep. And uh, you can check all that out, holisticwellness.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, wellness.com. Um you can also use the code DMVR30 if you go there to get 30% off your purchase. Also, though, you can just get that annual membership, get your free shirt from the DMVR locker, get the holistic stick, and uh, that'll actually come with a coupon that uh, I actually haven't seen that coupon. Could be better or worse than the 30% with DMVR30. Um, so there you go. Also, Breckenridge Brewery just released some awesome seltzers. Um I'm headed into the DMVR bar today. I'm really hoping that they have some of those lemonades there because I just have to try one. I guess I didn't mention this. They just released a new pack of seltzers. So before they had like the first 15 pack, there's five different flavors, three of each. And they were like pretty traditional flavors. Um, I mean, I don't know if I do that. Apple pear is one. Um, honeydew. Um, 
I think there's a peach one. So, so I mean, maybe not the most traditional flavors. But now they just came out with a an awesome one that I'm really excited for. Just like a all lemonade one. So it's actually five different flavors of lemonade with like strawberry and normal and all of that. Um, I still haven't had a chance to try them. I'm headed in there today. Could not be more excited to check that out. Um, also, they have a pretty cool thing going on. Um, I guess it's cool if you like free things, which I know I do. Um, there's a drawing for a $30,000 Escapod trailer. Um, all you have to do is head over to their website, breckbrew.com slash ingoodco. That's breckbrew.com slash I-N-G-O-O-D-C-O uh, for more details. Um, but you just sign up there. Again, it's a $30,000 Escapod trailer. It's a really cool thing. Uh, good luck. Make sure you tag us and our friends at Breckenridge Brewery when you submit your entry to win. I want to also tell you guys about Solace Meds. Um, they're a new partner of ours, um, and they're a premier dispensary with smoking hot deals to offer. Um, Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations. There's one in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, uh, one off of Broadway, and one that's just a couple of blocks away on East Colfax from the DMVR bar. Um, they have some awesome deals this month. Here are a couple to look forward to. Oh, actually, a couple of these have actually passed. But here's what you missed out on. Cinco de Mayo, buy three, get one free on the entire store, plus an additional 20% when using the code DMVR20 at checkout. Pretty crazy. Because because buy three, get one free. That's 25% off, basically. Plus, you can get another 20% off with DMVR20 at checkout. Um, they did the same thing the entire store on Mother's Day. They'll be doing it again on Memorial Day at the end of the month. Um, they have 20% off all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off Mile High Extractions, 20% um, off CBN Gummies, uh, two for $25 off Koala and Solace uh, 100 milligram bars, 15% off any three grams of connoisseur concentrates. Remember, all of these amazing deals you can take advantage of and get the additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DMVR20 at checkout. Um, they, they really make your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head to their website, view their menu, order online, use that code DMVR20 for 20% off, and then pick it up at your convenience. Just head to S-O-L-A-S, oh, sorry, wow. S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com and purchase from there. Uh, when you make your purchase, again, make sure that you use that DMVR20 code to save 20%. And again, there's four locations in Colorado, a couple of locations in Oklahoma as well. Just on the off chance, I should check the map, see if I can speak to people individually about uh, where they could get their uh, solace meds. Um, back to sports, though. So, it's always fun to see these lists, like I said, for a couple of reasons. First of all, because you get to be upset about them or excited about them or whatever based on, you know, where the Buffs' best players are. You know, Nate Landman, Jared Broussard, uh, Carson Wells. You know, that that's part of it. It's also ju just good to see where people see talent in the Pac-12. Because a lot of these guys, of course, we've been paying attention to. A couple of them are kind of new names on this podcast and names that we'll be paying attention to as we go throughout the offseason, talking about what the Pac-12 is going to look like 
um, you know, do the same thing we did last year, breaking down every team, um, maybe even do the same thing in basketball just because we have the time over the summer and then we can jump back to it. Uh, I can plug those podcasts um, before the basketball season starts. I don't know. Those are the decisions I can make off of the podcast. But here is the list again. Uh, ranking the Pac-12's 10 best players for 2021 by Kevin Flaherty came out yesterday on 247sports.com. You can check it out for yourself. And um, let's go through some of his criteria here. So what he said was um, as many as three Pac-12 linebackers could be preseason All-America candidates, and there are some other high-level talents that have yet to truly emerge. Um, That made picking the league's top 10 players for 2021 a difficult task. It's important to note there's also a value component here. So, a quarterback is more valuable than a running back, all things being equaled. A pass rusher brings more value than a more traditional middle linebacker. And there's also a level of projection involved as well. Sure, what a player's accomplished to this point means something, but we're trying to find the best players for 2021. At the same time, it's worth noting that a number of those players have already shown what they're capable of, even if it's just in flashes. So there you go. Um, always important. I think people kind of skip over that stuff in these stories a lot and just say like, Hey, we look at the numbers. This guy sucks. This guy's good. Well, it's about what's happening next year. Personally, I wouldn't have made the list based on like positional value, but you know, to each their own. And that's the lens we're looking at it through. Um, number 10, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from Arizona state. This is an interesting one. Um, we've talked about him a lot. You know, he's he's very talented, dual-threat quarterback. I, I, there's a film room from when Brendan Lewis was coming to campus, basically just comparing him to Jaden Daniels, what the, what the similarities are, what the differences are. Um, because, to me, Jaden Daniels is kind of... And he's what you're looking for in a dual-threat quarterback. Um, you look at the things he does. First of all, he has the arm. And to, you're playing quarterback. That's what's important. Don't forget that um, he has the arm. It's a big arm. He can be accurate for the most part. He he makes good decisions. Um, he's fairly efficient with the ball. You like all that stuff. On top of that, he's crazy fast. He he has the jukes. I like his build more than I think a lot of other people do. Like six three. I don't know what they list him as. I like to think of him as like a little over two hundred pounds. He might be a little bit under two hundred pounds, and he's skinny. But you see that sort of thing working more and more. And I think that that might be kind of the new mold. It's kind of a seven-on-seven type of mold. You think of guys like like those Alabama receivers, like Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. Those guys, they're just like, they're small. They're all leg. Um, Louisville has some guys like that too. Mikhail Cunningham, their quarterback. Um, Tutu Atwell, maybe not so much. Um but yeah, this this very kind of slender type of guy, and who knows if those bodies will actually hold up. But because of that, it just seems like there's this extra level of shiftiness. Lamar Jackson is similar in that way. Um, not saying Jaden Daniels is Lamar Jackson, but some of the traits that he has are along that path, though he is not nearly as explosive. Um, so yeah, to me, Jaden Daniels at 10, I, I probably would put him up higher. I'm not sure that's a surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast because I do really like him as a quarterback. Um, but yeah, to me, he he would have been the top quarterback on this list. That's what I'll say. 
and he is not, but we'll get to that later. Number nine, and this is one of those kind of new names. You know, you see it bouncing around, but Mikhail Wright, uh, the cornerback from Oregon, um, he was a very highly rated recruit, um, played well according to the advanced stats. Um, actually, he notes here that he actually graded as the league's best quarterback against the run, according to Pro Football Focus. That's impressive because he's 5'11 and 182 pounds. Um, he, he was first team all Pac-12. Again, not a guy who I paid much attention to just because they're in the north, because there's so many other DBs, because there's, you know, when you watch an Oregon game, where do your eyes go? First of all, Kayvon Thibodeau, who to me is, he's the best player in college football. I always have to pause when I say things like that to think, like, let's take the value out. You know, there's some quarterbacks. There's some running backs that are really good. To me, when when you're looking at the NFL draft for uh, 2022, he's the guy. He's he's the Chase Young type of talent where it's just like, yep, go get this man. He's incredibly talented, highly rated prospect, has lived up to the hype, all that kind of stuff. Like, that to me is who Kayvon Thibodeau is, that edge rusher for Oregon. From there, though, you look at Penny Sewell, not Penny Sewell, sorry, Noah Sewell, his little brother, who's just a massive 260-something pound inside linebacker who who moves like somebody who's, you know, almost like a safety. Uh, you look at the guy next to him, Justin Flo, the, the number one rated linebacker in his recruiting class, while Noah Sewell was number two. There's just so much talent that's easy to look over some of these guys. And again, like I said, haven't watched a whole lot of Mikhail Wright. Interesting, though, and makes me want to go back. Uh, number eight, Abraham Lucas, tackle from Washington State. Another interesting one. Not somebody who is really all that much on on my board. Um, makes a lot of sense, though. Again, multi-year, all-pack 12, 6'7", 330. What, do you, what more do you ask for from a tackle? Um, number seven, though. Number seven. Curious what you guys think of this. Number seven, Jarek Broussard, the running back from Colorado. It's interesting. It's, uh, I think you could absolutely make the case for him to be higher. You know, he's he's the reigning Pac-12 offensive MVP. Would make you think, you know, he's probably top two. You know, you think offensive MVP, defensive MVP, and that's not how it works. Maybe there's a couple more offensive players who are better than the defensive MVP, whatever. Um I think it's fair, though. I think it's fair, especially when you consider positional value. Um, I don't know, though, because then I look at some of the names. I'm like, oh, really? Really, Jarek's behind them? Uh, but that is where Jarek Broussard fits in on this list is at number seven. Yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are. We, we need to get back to doing more questions, too. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, Jarek, seven. Fair. I think that's fair. I might put him up just a little bit higher. Um, number six, Edifuan Wilfosio, the linebacker from Washington. Talked about him before. Uh, the beginning of this podcast. Well, we'll hold off. We'll hold off on my takes there. Um, number five, another linebacker, Devin Lloyd from Utah. He's a, he's one who I really do like. Very versatile player. You can blitz him. You can play him in coverage. He he fits modern football well. Um, Buckus Award finalist. Um, I I think maybe 
maybe not the most important piece. Actually, yeah. You know, at this point, he has turned into the most important piece of that defense because I can't remember who that other linebacker was that they had. Oh, Nephi Sewell. I, may, I don't think that's who I'm thinking of, but the, but the other Sewell brother was there. Um, there was another linebacker. But, yeah, De- Devin Lloyd absolutely deserves to be on this list. Top five? You know, again, let's keep moving. Trent McDuffie, DB from Washington. He's really good. You know, when you look at that Washington defense, why it was so successful last year, I mean, you first of all, you look at uh, ZTF, the edge rusher whose real name is very long. Um, he tore his Achilles. He won't be playing this season, I don't believe. Um, I'm not sure if we've had, like, actual confirmation, but it was a very recent injury, so it would make you think, maybe he gets back to a bowl game. I doubt it. Um, he He would have been right up there on this list as well. Um, but but he's he's the first name you go to when you talk about that Washington defense last year. But then you get to Trent McDuffie and probably put him ahead of Keith Taylor, who got drafted last week. Um, just, I mean, a, a, a shutdown player who's versatile, um, good against the run, good tackler. I, I, I almost wonder if he's... I, you could put him at corner. I think you could put him at safety. Um, I Yeah. Top four, fair to me. Drake Jackson, number three. Uh, they call him a linebacker. He's like an edge rusher. Um, the next level, he might be a defensive end. He might be an outside linebacker. Who knows? But a very good pass rusher who's been productive. Um, he's, you know, you, you always wonder with guys like that when... Like, like Marlon Tui-Pilotu, Jay Tufele, both those defensive linemen from USC drafted last week. There's a lot of talent at USC, and because of that, you know, if, if any of those guys were on, say, Washington State, you'd say, okay, let's double-team that guy. When it's USC, it's like you kind of got to pick your poison, and so you do kind of wonder coming from a defensive front that's as good as it was what happens if he's asked to be more of just the, the, the premier number one at the same time, I really do like his talent. He he's flexible. He has good size. He's fast. Um, and kind of just like a prototype, I think in that position, maybe maybe not, not like the Von Miller type of pass rusher. Um, but still smaller than the Bradley Chubb type again, prototype, just well-rounded. Um, I like it. Now we get to, uh, Number two, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback from USC. <sighs> like I said, I would have Jaden Daniels ahead of Keaton Slovis in terms of like guys that you want for your football team next year. It, it's a it's a definitely a conversation. They're different styles of player. Um, I think that maybe even when you look at NFL talent, you you see Keaton Slovis ahead of Jaden Daniels. <sighs> And that's still a maybe. Um, for all the things that Slovis does well, he makes a lot of mistakes. There's defenders that he doesn't see. The the pocket presence, the pocket awareness needs to get a whole lot better because he's kind of just running himself into sacks back there. You look at the talent around him and say, you should be putting up really big numbers. Um, again, completed 70% of his passes. Um Actually, that was the year before. Last year, he had 67% completion. Um, as a freshman, it was 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Last year, it was 
17 and 7. I, I don't know. He'll be, I do think he'll be a first round pick next year. I think that maybe the hype has gone just a little bit too far, but we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Again, I I put Jaden Daniels in front of him. And if we're really putting positional value into all this, I think number two for Jaden Daniels and number th- maybe even three for Slovis. Maybe five, maybe three. Somewhere somewhere in there is, is probably more appropriate. But that's that's where I'm at. Um number one on the list, no surprise here, Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end from Oregon. We talked about him already. He's he's everything that you could want in in an edge rusher. He has the the size, he has the 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 strength, the speed, the moves. He's just a dominant player who I mean if you put him on a bad team, he's going to he's going to win you games. He's that good in my opinion. Um Yeah, he's number 1. So, um a couple of notable omissions here though. And and that's really why I wanted to talk about this. Just because it's always, like I said, interesting to see how other people view the Pac-12, um, people who don't come at it from a Colorado perspective. There were very good cases to be made. Let me, I mean, there was a very good case to be made for Carson Wells to be on this list. Nate Landman is a straight-up snub. I mean, you look through... I mean, I would put I would take him over Devin Lloyd in this list again. If you're if you're looking at the NFL, Nate, you know, when the NFL is looking for guys who can really cover from that position, and that is potentially what's most important to some teams, then I could see if this was like a list of who should get drafted first. And yeah, yeah, Devin Lloyd, you could see it. In terms of who you want on your football team next year in the Pac-12. The answer is Nate Lamman. And to have Devin Lloyd at five, to have uh, Edifuan Ulafosio, the linebacker from Washington, at number six, I'd put Nate ahead of both of those guys. And and I wouldn't have even thought about it when making the list. Um, Carson Wells, see, that's more of a conversation. Uh, the thing is, though, if you really are putting extra weight behind players who have uh, who play premier positions important positions i mean the man's an edge rusher who who led the league in tackles or no led the country in tackles for loss per game last year was sixth in the country in sacks per game last year he's got to be on the list too i think i think so um yeah and and maybe he's toward the back end for sure but again who do you bump off again have i haven't watched a whole lot of abraham lucas he's he's an offensive tackle from the other division I will go back and watch, though. Um, Mikhail Wright, same thing. Haven't seen a whole lot, although you you hear the name. Um, But in terms of value, I mean, Carson Wells, I would take him over at probably both those linebackers. Probably both those linebackers. Um, The other thing is this line at the top that I didn't love. I read it earlier for this reason, as many as three PAC 12 linebackers could be preseason all America candidates. So in the story, they have Olafosho, they have Devin Lloyd, they have Drake Jackson as a linebacker. Nate Landman should absolutely be a preseason all American candidate. He was last year. And then he lived up to the hype. Sure. He has the Achilles injury. You have to see him like come back from it, but by all accounts, he's going to be back for camp. 
And if he's back for camp and doing what he did last year and the year before, like, I just, I don't know. You know, that's that's why we talked about this today. So there you go. Uh, there's your list. Lists are fun. Um, love lists. Love lists. Big off season. Big off season for lists. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Not quite sure what we're going to be talking about. I'm sure it'll be something fun. Who knows? Maybe there will be another list. Love lists. I saw. I saw. I think John Wilner put out a list today too. Um, that's a list I would respect. Um, it was something about like the Pac-12 divisions. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe check that out. Maybe check some other things out. Maybe Remy Martin becomes a buff. Not because like I necessarily want him to be a buff, but because it would be fun to see Arizona State fans be upset that he's a buff. Um, also, they don't have a scholarship and they already signed a point guard. I don't know, but we'll see what happens there too. Um, that's it for today. I'll see you guys tomorrow.